Hello again, I'm Eric with Smart Pot Fabric Planters, back with another great episode of The Growing Revolution. And the topic that I wanted to cover today was how to turn your backyard into a grocery store. And one of the best at maximizing space is Callie Kim of Callie Kim Home and Garden. Kim, welcome back to the podcast. Great. Thanks, Eric. It's so good to be back with you again. It's getting to be spring. Hopefully things are warming up where you're at too. I think they are because you're in Florida, right? You know, they're actually almost borderline too warm. So oh. yeah, I'm in zone 9B, I think. And yeah, it's uh, it's in the 70s now, so it's nice. beautiful. But pretty soon it's going to be edging into the 80s and even the 90s. <laughs> so I'm enjoying the outdoors while I can uh, before it's ungodly humid. I'm yeah, probably sweating. That's great. I'm probably sweating already. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had tons um, of rain, but it's finally starting to warm up. So we're looking forward to that. Things are green. The garden grocery store is in full swing here. So it is ready to roll. Yeah. Yeah. I've been harvesting cucumbers, waiting on my tomatoes and uh, yeah, just loving year two of gardening in Florida uh, now that I've gotten over the hump of some learning curves. So I'll uh, get right into the question. So I guess first things first, what should people be considering first when they're planning a garden and why? Sure. I think the first thing I really like to encourage people to do is think about what your family likes to eat and then plant that. So, you know, if you're not a big squash fan, you don't want to take up a ton of garden real estate with your squash, the squash plants. But if you like tomatoes, peppers and salad greens, definitely plant that. So um, just really be cognizant of that. And you're going to enjoy growing those things that you like to eat that much more. But I think one thing that's really important is to think about the location of your garden. Um, I love to grow in containers and raised beds, as I know you do too. And that makes it really easy because then you can put your containers in your raised bed in a nice sunny spot. You know, the more sun, the merrier, at least six to eight hours, if at all possible. But even more than that, it's better to grow a lot of veggies and really um, orient your garden um, in the northern hemisphere to face south. So you're getting the maximum sun exposure possible. So you can kind of eyeball that um, if you want to kind of observe your growing space for a couple of days, maybe stake out a spot that to represent your containers or your raised beds, and then just take a look at how the sun falls and the shadows fall and how much sun it gets. And that'll really help you as you're getting ready to grow your own garden grocery store. Super important. Yeah, yeah. Kind of plan out a trial space before you, uh, you know, take all the time and energy to to construct a bed or, or a large planter arrangement. Um, my second question is, can growers be as successful growing in containers as they would in ground? Absolutely. In fact, I think it's so much easier to grow in containers or raised beds because you can fill it with a soil that's you know organic and has lots of good organic nutrients in it. And it's just so much easier. I mean, you know, digging out a garden space in an in-ground garden is a lot of work, let's face it. And it takes a while to really amend the soil, to really get healthy soil. But in containers, you can fill it with that soil right off the bat. You can moisten it to a really good moisture level. And you can even move it around to kind of chase the sun or chase the shade, whatever it is that you're trying to plant. So in my opinion, it's just a whole lot easier. The soil's nice and loose. So you're not having the issues of your soil really compacting. And uh, especially a lot of people these days are growing in small spaces. So containers just make that uh, really just super simple to pop up, fill with soil, 
put some seeds or, or, you know, plants in there and you really, you know, are able to grow your groceries and take a big significant chunk out of your grocery budget that way. Yeah, I finally have a yard living in Florida now, but unfortunately my native soil is sand, basically 100% oh, wow. sand. Uh, so growing in containers definitely is advantageous for me. Uh, so you're growing a large portion of your produce in your backyard, but is there anything that you're still buying at your local supermarket? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, I don't have tons and tons of growing space. I don't have acres. I mean, you know, and so, by some standards, we do have a large garden. However, I'm really careful to grow uh, things that I'd like to call power producers that you can plant and harvest and that will produce over a long season. Because our goal is really to grow our own groceries and take a chunk out of our grocery budget. Um, and so I don't tend to grow things that take up a lot of space that you have to grow for a long period of time, kind of a one and done, like the root vegetables. I don't grow a lot of those because, you know, a carrot takes a long time to grow from seed to harvest as do beets and potatoes. So if I, we do end up buying those from the, you know, buying those or want to eat those, we will buy those from the grocery store, but really, we really try and eat what we have in our garden and eat what's in season. I can't grow quite as much in the winter time because I don't have quite as much sunlight. It's still warm enough in California to grow, but our garden is positioned um, in such a way that it's shaded by the house a good portion of the day in the winter. So we do tend to buy a little bit more produce in the winter time, but generally speaking, we try and eat, and grow, uh, you know, what's in season, what'll grow best for us and that we can grow over a longer period of time. Nice. Yeah, that's that's what people had to do. I mean, before supermarkets, they they had to plant seasonally and eat seasonally. Uh, that's right. And I think uh, a lot of people now, because groceries are, you know, going sky high, are really coming back to those, like the old time victory gardens. And, um, you know, just let's grow a salad and then figuring out how to grow a salad, starting very simple with that. And then kind of once they get into it, what I found is that they really get addicted to the fresh taste. Being able to go out in the backyard and pick vegetables is such a rewarding experience. Then they end up, let's grow some peppers and some tomatoes and just kind of goes from there. Yeah, I, I find that sometimes I'll just walk outside and grab a few, uh, you know, blades of, of lettuce and, and a, a few of uh, some romaine and just throw it into my mouth. And that's that's my little yeah. snack for that second. It's great to um, snack in the garden, too. <laughs> you got to keep your energy up. You know, it, it is work. Right. Um, so is your family eating and uh, preserving all that you're growing or are you trading with neighbors, giving it away? How, what are you doing with, I guess, the excess if there is any? Yeah, we do a little bit of both. Um, I don't tend to can a lot, but we do have a good amount of freezer space. So I will freeze like tomatoes and peppers to use for sauces, you know, later on in the year when we don't have as many growing. But primarily what we do is, you know, we eat as much as we can fresh. We love to grill in the summertime and make a garden fresh pizzas outside and our wood fire pizza oven and all that. It's so delicious. But my neighbor is also a pretty avid gardener as well. So what I don't have space for, he's got a, a huge garden. And so we tend to trade back and forth quite a bit. His wife is a caterer. She's a, one of my best friends. So she'll make up a big jar of salsa and bring it over. And then when I have extra cucumbers or whatever, I'll bring them over to her. And pretty much wherever we go in the summertime, at least, we're bringing vegetables to friends because I love to um, really see the look on people's faces if they've never had garden fresh veggies. They can't believe the flavor. And a lot of times it really helps them get excited and 
uh, want to plant some and, and have their own garden. So I love to give it away uh, to whoever I can that comes over or wherever we go. It's, it's really a lot of fun. It's one of the joys for me of growing a lot of vegetables is being able to give a lot away as well. Yeah. And in life, the more you give, the more you get. Uh, karma is real, folks. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what, what are the most common grown crops uh, for most people, myself included, is tomatoes. Do you have any tips for success on making sure the, that growers achieve large yields? Sure. Yeah, I could offer a few tips um, that definitely one of the most uh, popular things to grow. A lot of people love to grow tomatoes. And I think the most important thing to start with, and this kind of applies to any plants that you're growing, is to start with really good soil. So you want to have nice, you know, organic, well-drained soil with a good amount of compost and organic fertilizer. But with tomatoes especially, I think it's really important to know what type you're growing. Uh, you know, there's two different types of tomatoes, as I'm sure you know, Eric, determinate and indeterminate. And they require a little bit different care depending on what type you're growing. The indeterminate are tend to be really big plants produce over a long growing season and then they die off with frost in the in the early or in the late fall or in the early winter and uh, in, uh, determinate tomatoes are usually tend to be a smaller plant grow to a set size and then produce all of their tomatoes at once so indeterminate tomatoes you can prune and kind of manage their size, whereas determinate tomatoes, you don't prune. Um, but again, they're going to die after they produce their fruit. So if you don't know that, you're going to be shocked when your determinate plants die. And if you don't know what kind you have, you can always you know, look that up on the internet to see what type of plant you're growing. Um, the larger plants need a nice, strong support. Uh, determinate plants can tend to do with a smaller type of support. Um, and then, uh, you know, just realize that they're warm weather vegetables. Um, they like the warm temperatures. However, a really big tip for me once I figured this out years ago is that they really don't like temperatures over 95. So if you're getting to 95 degrees there in Florida, uh, what you're going to want to do is cover your tomatoes with a piece of shade cloth. It still allows the sunlight to get through. Really important. It saves so many of my tomato plants because what happens once it gets really hot is those flowers tend to dry off, dry up and drop off. And then you kind of have to start all over again with your fruit production. So shade cloth has saved so many of my plants and really helped them keep on producing even throughout the summer heat. So if there's one important tip I could give people in the summertime, it would be grab yourself some shade cloth. It's readily available at most garden centers. Keep it on hand for those days when things are going to get just scorching hot. Yeah. Would you, uh, I've actually never used a shade cloth, but I think I need to this year. Would, would you recommend just yeah. kind of draping it over the plants or would you have it like tented like above the plants? You know, I think it kind of depends on the size of your plant, the smaller determinate types. Um, you know, usually they might be four, anywhere from four to six feet tall. It'd be easier to like drape it over. However, a tall plant, like an indeterminate plant, could be eight to 10 foot tall. And it might be really hard to get enough shade cloth to drape over your plant. So you could just like stick some stakes in the in your container, your raised bed, and maybe kind of just wrap it around the area where you have your tomato plants, um, kind of in between the sun and the plant, so that during the brunt of the day, that plant is shaded. Um, there's varying, um, I guess you would call it levels of shade cloth that will block out like 40% on up to like 60 or 70%. So I tend to use kind of somewhere in the middle, a 50 or 60% shade cloth. Um, but it really does make a huge difference. We've actually run some tests with that. And underneath the shade cloth, it can stay anywhere from 10 to 15 degrees cooler, which makes a huge, huge difference with your uh, flowers and blossoms drying up, dropping off, 
or not. So, um, you know, your production can either keep going or it can stop and then have to start all over again once things kind of cool down below 90 degrees. Yeah, I, I think I need to get a shade cloth for my entire lot uh, to keep my house <laughs> cool, too. Well, you know, uh, funny enough, we have some viewers that live in uh, like Phoenix and she actually will pretty much have a whole shade structure over her entire garden during the summer. And that's the only way she's really been able to keep on gardening in like the Phoenix where it gets like 100 degrees or plus for many, many days of the summer. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're above 100 for like three months out of the year. Insane. Yes. That people can even live there. Um, it's crazy. So you've got a uh, monthly subscription box that I've been seeing, and this looks awesome, and it sounds like it's been selling out. Uh, can you tell us about it? What's in it? You know, what's going on here? Sure. Absolutely. It's been a ton of fun. Uh, we just launched in February, and it's been going gangbusters. It's called Grow Your Groceries with Callie Kim, and the subscription box model has been around for a long time, but there's really nothing like this that has a complete garden kit in the box. There's lots of other boxes with just seeds, but this has seeds, growing containers, a growing medium, has lots of fun garden goodies, little plant tags and um, things that have the grow your groceries uh, branding and logo on it. So it makes it really fun. But basically my goal was to make growing your groceries easier than ever, has a full instruction sheet. Um, it's really a lot of fun because each month has a different theme. So the first month was grow your own salad station. So it contained four different seed packets with salad vegetables in it. The second month was grow a pizza garden, uh, which we're still in that second month for the April box. Um, and then the third month will be a surprise. So when people get it, it's actually a surprise until they open. And then we kind of reveal it, little bits and pieces of it out on social media. So it really makes it fun. People are having a ton of fun with it. They get a full instruction sheet and then access to a instructional video where I take them through how to grow their groceries for that month step by step. So it's a ton of fun and it's just all all contained to that one little kit. We're having a great time with it. Yeah, it's like Christmas every month of the year. Um, so I <laughs> I just love the concept. I and I'm not really surprised that it's a big hit uh, at all. My last yeah, question uh, is having to do with composting. So if gardeners are making their own compost like I am in my compost sacks, plural, do you right. recommend adding any ingredients to that compost to create your own potting soil? Or do you just recommend using that as like a top dress uh, for, for their beds or containers? Well, generally I do use it for a top dress or to top off my raised beds or my containers. You could make your own compost, then add some other ingredients um, after it's finished, like a cocoa core, maybe a vermiculite, add in some more worm castings to make it more of a you know, more bulkier, a little bit more substantial of a mix if possible. But um, you know, it's hard for me to make enough compost to to spread throughout my garden. So I, I would, I kind of like to dole it out in little bits and pieces where I really need it the most and then um, add it to a potting mix um, just to make the potting mix a lot more substantial and a lot more fertile and just to help it grow a lot more veggie. So it's usually a part of my potting mix, but not like the main, um, it doesn't make up like the, the main part of my potting mix, but definitely a great way to go. I love the, the new um, mini compost sack. It's great. We've been composting in it for probably a little over a year now. I've got some cooking out in the backyard right now that'll probably be done in a couple of weeks and looking forward to adding that to my garden beds. Nice, nice. 
Well, that was all the uh, questions that I had, uh, Kim. Can you remind folks who are, are living under a rock and you know don't know your social media handles and your website where they could reach you at? Sure. Our website is CallieKimGardeningHome.com. And you can find me on social media. Our YouTube channel is Callie Kim Gardening Home. And pretty much on social media under Callie Kim on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Again, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. And we appreciate your gardening advocacy and SmartPot advocacy. So in, until the next time, thank you. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. We'll talk to you next time.